This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Danny Parkin Show. Yes, it is. Thank you for hanging out with The Danny Parkin Show. Radio.com, Sirius 206, CBS Sports Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Dak Prescott just ran one in. Cowboys kicking the extra point to go up 37-10. Destroying the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football, nine and a half left in the fourth quarter. This is my second show of the day on Sundays. I host You Better You Bet with Nick Costos and Ross Tucker, and we bring on Alan Berg from Caesars Palace, and it's a degenerate gambling fantasy show exclusively on the radio.com app. But You Better You Bet also airs Monday through Friday, Weeknights, I think 5 to 9 p.m. Central Time. I'm pretty sure I have that right. And Nick Costos is the straw that stirs the drink. He is maybe the breakout media star of this football season. The Costos on Twitter. You see his videos at Sports Illustrated. He's the man. Nick Costos with me on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, buddy? Danny, what's going on, bro? Just sweating out the uh, the over in this Cowboys-Eagles game, Eagles game, man. I've got the Cowboys... Now to see like one garbage time touchdown by the Eagles, and we covered this over as well, which will be great. And by the way, that is a hell of a show open you got there, man. Worthy of the star that you are. I thought I was the hardest working man in sports media. You and I did a show this morning, and now you've got another four-hour show right now. So kudos to you. Been a great NFL Sunday. Hopefully we can finish this off with this over. Well, yeah, good luck there. Have you had a good day? Are you, are you up today? I'm up today because my biggest bets of the day came in, and those were the Colts that you and I talked about on the show this morning. Jacoby Brissett outperforming Deshaun Watson in fantasy, which was good for me as well. So the Colts uh, ended up covering, winning outright, although they did make it a little interesting, giving the ball to Deshaun Watson down a touchdown at the end of that game. And then how about the Baltimore Ravens winning outright in Seattle? That was a big help for me as well. Had the Ravens with the points and also on the money line, and this will be a nice way to close the day out. I've got the Cowboys, and assuming this over comes in a well, I think we're looking at a pretty good NFL Sunday here ahead of tomorrow night's game, which I got a, a strong feeling on as well. Okay, what do you like tomorrow? Uh, I like the Jets. I, I like the Jets getting the 10 points, getting the 9.5, whatever it is. And, Danny, I know this is going to sound nuts, and there are going to be people that think I'm crazy. But then again, people thought I was crazy last week when I picked the Jets to beat the Cowboys outright at MetLife. I think this is going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. I love the Jets to cover this number. You know, Tom Brady and the Patriots haven't looked right on offense for a couple weeks now. They have absolutely no speed on the offense. Josh Gordon's not going to play in the game tomorrow night. It's really just Julian Edelman in this passing game, and maybe like oh, you'll one of these undrafted rookies, Jacoby Myers or somebody else. And C.J. Mosley's back in where we remember C.J. Mosley in the first half of the first game against Buffalo before he went out. You know, he was the fulcrum of this defense. That's what they signed him to be, and he's going to be back. So I think the Jets' defense is going to hold down this Patriots' offense a bit. Sam Darnold's a massive upgrade, obviously, over Luke Falk. I think this is a close game tomorrow night. I give the Jets a chance to win, and I love the Jets to cover that number on Monday Night Football. 
We're talking to Nick Costos. You better you bet on radio.com. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at the Costos, K-O-S-T-O-S. So I'm in this like horrible gambling rut where if I make a one unit play, like the smallest bet that I'll make, I'm winning it at like a 70% clip. But when I make two, three, four unit plays, I'm hitting it like a 25% clip over the last month. I am in such a horrible rut. I'm considering going Costanza and just going opposite of what I normally play on my big bets. When you get into horrible picking stretches, do you have superstitions or do you just believe that it's all going to come out in the wash in the end? Man, I, I, I guess it's like the Dave Chappelle skit, man. When you got hate in your heart, you got to let it out, man. And that's what I do. I got a lot of hate in my heart when I watch these games on an NFL Sunday. Like, people are like, when they, if they if people talk to me, if they meet me in person, they follow me on Twitter. Like, are you really like that in real life? And I say, yes. Like, I'm an absolutely crazy madman on these NFL Sundays. The stuff absolutely gets under my skin. Like, last week, I was apoplectic all, all, all day last Sunday with the Browns not being able to cover the spread and then the Rams and the Falcons and the Lace plays. So that was terrible. It literally took me a couple days to get over. You know, these are like therapy sessions on You Better You Bet on Radio.com Sports. Once I get over it, though, you got to be able to reset, turn the page, and at least have confidence here in your ability, man. Like, I talk to you every Sunday morning. You know what you're doing. You're going to get back on track here. There's no doubt about it coming up soon, and I have confidence. Tomorrow night, you'll take the Jets with me, and then next, next week in the NFL, I feel like we're going to dominate. But really all it is is you've you got to find a way to cycle those feelings out, get back on the horse, have confidence in your own ability to get going again. And Jets win tomorrow night, and this is going to turn out to be a uh, cover the spread tomorrow night. This will be a nice week for yours truly. All right, listen, I'll, I'll follow you into the gates of hell, man, so I'll follow you with the Jets. But it's just like when you have the under of 44 in Cincy Jacksonville – and it's 10-9 at the start of the fourth quarter, and somehow that game pushes, or you have Chargers plus two, and they score not one but two touchdowns and have them both overturned uh, by instant replay and then end up losing by three. Like I'm not a religious man. I'm not a superstition man. I believe, I believe in logic and facts and reason, but sometimes it's like, oh, people say that gambling is a sin. Maybe I should, I should take a week off or something and just like repent. Like it's Yom Kippur. Well, man, if you if, if you like logic and reason, then I don't think gambling on the National Football League is the thing for you, man. There are times every Sunday when, like, I actually will say to myself out loud, I actually put like my own like hard-earned American dollars on this sport. Where like craziest crap happens. Look, I mean, we there are a million examples you can run through every week. How about this past Monday night? I had the Lions on the money line. The referees literally stole that game for me and the Lions and handed it to Aaron Rodgers or the Packers. I mean, I, I, the, the Brown-Seahawks game last weekend, right, there could be a thousand parallel universes running concurrently to each other, and this is the only timeline out of the thousand. And the other 999, the Browns would have won that game last Sunday and covered the spread against the Seahawks. This is the one timeline where the Seahawks ended up winning that game and the Browns didn't cover the spread. So, I mean, it's inexplicable. It makes no sense, but... These are the kind of things that you just got to let roll off your shoulder. I mean, easier said than done. It literally took me until midweek to get over that Browns loss, but you got to do it, and that's just kind of the way it is, or else you get swallowed up by the beast, man, and the beast is hungry, especially on Sundays and Mondays. Yeah, normally our therapy session's in the morning, but I needed a little one tonight, which is why I called you, and I appreciate you answering the phone. Uh, Non-gambling for just a second. You you are a Giants fan. We talked about uh, Giants, Cardinals today, and young quarterbacks in the NFC. Daniel Jones's regression, my God, like three fumbles, an interception. He's second in the NFL in turnovers. Last three weeks, four touchdowns, seven picks, three fumbles. Are you worried about your boy Danny Dimes? 
You know, I'm, I'm not panicking right now with, with Daniel Jones because there's a couple things that are at play. I mean, number one, this coaching staff is absolutely abysmal, both offensive and defensive. I mean, Pat Shermer has committed several fireable offenses. Like, in the last, like, 10 days, step out over the course of the season, the punt in the Patriots game, down by two scores with nine minutes left. And how about his draw on third and 15 towards the end of the game today? I mean, like, you can't make this crap up. And then he gets up there, arrogant and ignorant in front of the media like he does every week with the, oh, well, you're asking me questions. What the hell do you know about football? Actually, Pat, I'll bet you that there are college students right now who are drinking, you know, butt heavies on their couch that could call better plays and know not to call a draw on third and 15. And, you know, the Giants even said, if you watch this game, like the Giants shifted on defense a couple times in this game, expecting passes from Kyler Murray, and they were just pounding it down their throats with Chase Edmonds. So, I mean, this was just a pathetically coached game, I thought, by the Giants' offensive and defensive staffs. And, you know, until they get, like, a real coach in there, I don't think it's really fair to evaluate Daniel Jones because I think Pat Strummer absolutely thinks. And I want people to remember Eli Manning's rookie year. Eli replaced Kurt Warner in 2004. The Giants were 5-4, and four, lost his first six starts, and then they won the final one on Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys in the final game of the 2000. Uh, the final game of the 2005 season. Eli was terrible his rookie year, but he started getting better as the uh, as the year went along. So we can't judge Jan- judge Daniel Jones based on these last couple starts. You know, you know, this one was a little discouraging, I would say, but I think that he'll be fine. Let's get his weapons back. Let's get a real offensive coach in there, hopefully next year. And as long as he's looking better in December, I'll feel good heading into next year. Who's the better young quarterback in New York, Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold? Uh, Sam Darnold, um, for right now. I mean, I, that could obviously change as the season moves along. But I'm a big Darnold guy. And, look, Darnold showed you some of what he can do last week against the Cowboys. I was more of a Darnold guy than Daniel Jones when both were coming out. I obviously think the Giants made a massive error. And Saquon Barkley's a great player, and this is not to disparage Saquon. But taking a running back second overall, Danny, as you would say, is suboptimal. I mean, you watch the game today. If I had told you Chase Edmonds was the second overall pick in the draft and Saquon Barkley was like the seventh rounder, you probably would have believed it. And that's not shade of Saquon Barkley. Like, that was a terrible pick. They should have picked Sam Darnold. They deluded themselves into thinking Eli was going to be good last year. That was a mistake. And then they brought him back again this year. I mean, this organization is so poor from top to bottom that I think Daniel Jones, honestly, is the least of the concerns for the New York football giants. We're talking to Nick Costos. He hosts the uh, Sports Illustrated videos, The Line, the for gambling each and every week. You have to see it. He's an absolute mani- maniac. And then You Better You Bet on Radio.com, the app, uh, Monday through Friday, 5 to 9 Central, and then Sunday mornings with me as his co-host uh, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. Have you looked yet at the Week 8 lines? Oh, I mean, of course. I was looking at them in preparation of this, thinking that, that you and I would be talking about them and and I, I am happy to report, Mr. Parkins, that I do have a couple early thoughts coming up for Week 8 in the National Football League. Okay, I, I want to I get them in a second, but I'm just curious. Sunday night football next oh, you week. You already know. You already yeah. know. <laughs> Green Bay, who you say is fraudulent, is a three-point favorite in Arrowhead. Arrowhead at night, but Matt Moore is the quarterback, and the Packers looked dominant today. Do you have a lean in Green Bay, Kansas City, Packers minus three? There is a literal 100% chance that I bet on the Chiefs next Sunday night. Like, there is, <laughs> there's just absolutely no doubt about it. And look, like, I kind of have to, and I put this on Twitter today, I kind of have to take the L on the whole Packers being fraudulent thing because I think it's pretty clear, like, I don't know if this team's going to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think they're fraudulent. And I think they kind of showed that today. I mean, Rodgers is like a vintage Rodgers performance. And, you know, look, Derek Carr had the really stupid play, obviously, but even without that play, fumbling it out of the end zone for the touchback, Packers still would have won and covered the spread in this game. So I, I just have to take the L. Poor handicapping by me. Packers were clearly the right side in today's game. And uh, Packers are obviously a really good team. But, I mean, look, 
everyone's going to be on the Packers now. Everyone's back on the Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. You know, you're going to hear with Mahomes out, like, is Rodgers the best quarterback in the league? That'll be the narrative that's driven this week by the national media. By the time Sunday night rolls around, everyone and their mother is going to have a ticket on the Green Bay Packers. I'll go the other way. Hashtag, hashtag crime time home underdogs. And I'll take those points with, uh, with Matt Moore and the Chiefs. Hopefully that'll pick up to three and a half and I'll get the hook. But that is a 100% chance, no brainer, that I'll take the Chiefs next Sunday night. I don't know if you're a fan of the movie Rounders, but there is a scene where the guys who all play in the New York poker club end up seeing each other at the table in Atlantic City a couple hours away. And they're like, you know, if we were just going to take each other's roles, we should have just stayed home. You and I should just bet each other's money. Why don't we just lock it in right now? I'll take the Packers. You take the Chiefs. We don't have to pay the VIG, and we're good to go. Nice. I think that we should probably do that, but let's, let's wait till I get that hook at plus three and a half. No, no. I'll take that hook. I want it at three right now. What, uh, you said you looked. What other games do you, are, do you already know you're going to like for next week? Um, okay, let's roll through it here. You know, I, I look at the Carolina Panthers. My early lean is towards them catching six points on the road in San Francisco. Look, Niners obviously got the job done today. And, like, I don't even know how you judge that game today with, with how wet it was in Washington, D.C. But I think the Panthers getting six, I think that'll be a pretty close game. Also, how about this? This will be a kind of a close-your-nose special. I think this is a 100% pants play for me. The Denver Broncos getting six and a half points on the road in Indianapolis. Now, last time we saw Denver, of course, nationally televised audience getting embarrassed by, by Matt Moore and the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Colts today were super impressive in beating the Texans. And, you know, Jacoby Brissett threw four touchdowns today. So, again, I think we want to go against the narrative in as many spots as we can, right? The narrative is going to be that the Colts are a much better team this week. I give the Broncos a chance to win that game outright next week. So I really like uh, the Denver Broncos. I- I'm looking at this Cleveland Browns-Patriots game next week. And, of course, we need to wait to see how it shakes out tomorrow. night. Let's assume the Patriots win, whether it's a blowout or whether it's close. That number is going to be like 10, 10 and a half. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I kind of want to take the points with the Cleveland Browns in that game. That's my initial inclination there because everyone's going to take the Patriots. So let's wait and see what happens tomorrow night and see if we can get any kind of value on that game as, uh, as kind of the week moves along. And this Seahawks-Falcons game, I think opened at Seahawks minus three or minus three and a half. It's going to be tough for me uh, to back the Atlanta Falcons at any point moving forward. That may be an, an, an auto bet against. And the last one here, Bills-Eagles. Buffalo's one and a half right now. We'll see what this line reopens at after this uh, spot kicking finishes up between the Cowboys and the uh, and the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to find a way to win that game again. Everyone's going to want to take Buffalo. Buffalo coming off the win today. Eagles getting embarrassed on Sunday night. I'll almost certainly play the Eagles next Sunday in Western New York. He's a great handicapper. He's wildly entertaining at the Costos on Twitter and Instagram. Plug you better you bet so people know where to find it and what you guys are doing Monday through Friday. I really appreciate it, man, for, for, for letting me do that. Yeah, you better you bet 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Radio.com, the Radio.com app. We also um, we podcast it in, like, little chunks, right? So we've got, like, eight chunks from the show. We call it the You Better You Bet Buffet. I came up with that, unless it's a bad idea, in which case producer Eli came up with it. So you can really just digest it in as many of whatever you want to listen to. You want to take one guest interview, listen to that. It's that instead of, like, three hours put up there or four hours put up there. So check it out wherever you find podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe because I'm insecure and it helps me sleep better at night. And, of course, Danny and I on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Radio.com, talking sports gambling, having some fun, um, trying to win some money. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll finish that today and the Eagles can score in garbage time here. 37-10 Cowboys right now. Costos, great stuff, man. I'll go let you go back to your sweat. I appreciate the time. Appreciate it, man. And we will work that out over the course of the week this week. Uh, we will have our side bet on Chief Packers coming up next Sunday night. Perfect. Thank you. That's Nick Costos, you better you bet radio.com. 
Guy is blowing up in a big way. As sports gambling gets legalized, he's going to be one of the media stars in that space. And he's right. Cowboys on top of the Eagles, 37-10. Eagles are obviously in four-down territory. The over-under, very much in doubt. The spread and the outcome of the game, though, is not. Ryan Wilson covers the NFL for CBS Sports. We'll get his best team in the NFC, his second-best team in the AFC, and go through the young quarterbacks who are emerging as stars and falling off the face of the earth. We'll do that in 20 minutes. But, hey, it wouldn't be a week in the NFL without a rules controversy. We'll get into the latest one coming up. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out on the Danny Parkin Show, radio.com, CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Week 7 just about wrapped in the NFL. Monday night tomorrow, obviously. 37-10, the final tonight. Cowboys over the Eagles. A dominating win in the NFC East. I don't think any of these teams are great. I don't think the Cowboys are great, and the Eagles certainly aren't as Dallas moves to uh, four and three. It's remarkable what happens when you get your two all-world offensive linemen back, though. That offense looks a whole heck of a lot better, and wow, did Philly look terrible tonight. So Dallas gets the inside track, winning the uh, head-to-head matchup of the two teams that are contending in that division, winning their home game. Obviously, the Eagles will get a chance back in Philly, but a lopsided win there. We'll talk to Ryan Wilson, who covers the NFL, coming up in just over 10 minutes or so but one of the silliest rules in the NFL reared its ugly head today Derek Carr should know better but dives to the pylon hand outstretched fumbles the ball out through the end zone it goes to uh Green Bay and I feel like the solution to that rule is an obvious one because It strikes me as too big of a punishment for the fumbling team in this case because it's the only time when the ball can change possession without it being a turnover on downs, without the other team actually gaining possession of the ball. You understand what I'm saying? Like, for the defense to get the ball back to the offense, they either need to recover a fumble, intercept a pass, or get a team to go, you know, four downs and out, punt, turnover on downs, whatever. That's how the defense gets the ball back from the offense, unless you fumble at the end zone. And the argument that proponents of this rule say is basically it should be a penalty for fumbling at the end zone. But what I would say, what I've proposed is reverse touchback. So Derek Carr is, I don't remember what the down and distance was, but let's say it was second and goal from the four-yard line. All right? Let's just say hypothetically that's what it was. Second and goal from the four-yard line, Raiders with the ball. Derek Carr scrambles to his right, dives for the pylon, loses the ball on the dive, fumbles it out the side or the back of the end zone. Instead of first and 10 from the 20 Green Bay, why not make it 
third and goal from the 20, Oakland. I feel like that is a fairer punishment for fumbling at the goal line because if you fumble at the 26-yard line and it goes out of bounds, it doesn't change possession. So I don't get why it should change possession without the defense recovering when you fumble at the goal line, but I do think that it should be a stricter punishment for fumbling at the goal line than fumbling at the 26-yard line. So I feel like this is a good compromise. You back the team up. And you would say, well, that's not that strict of a punishment. Sure it is. They were going into the end zone about to score a touchdown. Now they have a shot, you know, if you fumble on first down at the goal line, it's first and goal from the 20. If you do it on third down, it's fourth and goal from the 20, and you'll kick a field goal. If you do it on second or third down, you know, you have a decision on how aggressive you want to be to try to get the touchdown or play it conservatively, knowing that you're still in field goal range. So it's more likely to be a four-point penalty touchdown to field goal than a seven-point penalty touchdown to zero points and the other team getting the ball. That just strikes me as a fairer rule. That was one of the officiating things that came up today. Now, the refs obviously got that call right. I just disagree with the rule. The other thing is we continue to have an instant replay problem with Al Riveron as the replay official in New York. In the Chargers game, Eckler catches a touchdown pass, gets overturned, saying he was an inch short of the goal line, even though he wasn't. Then then Melvin Gordon scores a touchdown, overturned, saying he was short, even though there was no clear footage of it that was indisputable. Then on the next play, Gordon fumbles, and they say that there was a clear recovery. So two touchdowns overturned when the standard for overturning things is supposed to be indisputable. Didn't seem like it was in either case for the Chargers against the Titans. But then in Bears-Saints, when Teddy Bridgewater gets stopped and his, uh, his butt hit the ground and the ball seemed to be a half yard short, Matt Nagy and the Bears challenge the spot. Referee goes to instant replay. Replay comes back. Call stands. So that suggests... Not call confirmed, as in indisputable video evidence saying it was correct, but also they said not clear enough evidence to overturn when they paused the footage, his ass was on the ground, the ball was short of the 38-yard line, it was at the 37 and a half, it was clear as day, you could see it, it was right there, and they said it wasn't indisputable. And so there I'm wondering, is the threshold for overturning pass interference reviews, how like that's been a story this year, how they're not getting overturned? Is that now creeping into all replays? I just feel like the more replay we're getting, the more confusing it is, and it's slowing down the game. And what happened in that Bears-Saints game, which is continuing to happen more and more, it's getting awkward, is you've got a rules analyst on the broadcast, Mike Pereira. He says the replay should go one way, and then it goes the other way. And proponents of instant replay always say the same thing. I want to get it right. We all want to get it right. But the problem is too often they're going to instant replay and we still don't know if they're getting it right because Al Riveron in the replay center is having his calls questioned by the Mike Pereira's and Dean Blandino's of the world. So that leads to a slowed down game, no assurances that we're getting the call right and confusion within your audience. Instant replay in the NFL is broken. 
I'll tee off on the Bears once this show is on the air in Chicago. That's coming up soon now that Sunday Night Football has aired. But until then, Ryan Wilson covers the NFL for CBSSports.com. Who's the best team in the NFC? Who's the second best team in the AFC? He'll answer those questions. You're listening to The Danny Parkin Show. All right, welcome back into the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio.com, and Sirius 206. We'll get back to your calls in just a little bit, but now it's time to welcome my next guest. He covers the NFL for CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Wilson CBS. Ryan Wilson on the show. Ryan, thanks for the time. How's it going, man? Hey, Danny. What's up, man? Oh, you know, just another NFL postgame show here on the radio. Crazy day in the National Football League, as always. What was the uh, your biggest takeaway from uh, the day that was Week 7? Uh, I think one of the, the biggest things for me was to see the Ravens go to Seattle and, and do what they did to uh, a really good Seahawks team. Um, actually, the Seahawks are one of my favorite teams coming into to this week. In the preseason, I, I pegged them to win the division. I'm usually pretty terrible about those things, but I've been pretty good through their first six games. But Lamar Jackson, I've been saying this for a while now, but I feel like in two or three years he's going to be the best player in the NFL. The things he's able to do with his feet, he gets better each and every week with his arm. Um, You know, he was dog for that last year. That's not the issue. Mark Andrews is tied in, had three drops. Uh, All of them hit him right in the hands. And I feel like Lamar Jackson is a truly special player. And we saw a glimpse of that against Seattle, and now the interesting thing is going to be the Ravens have their bye week, and they come out of that bye week and face the Patriots. And I think that might be the Patriots' biggest test of the season, maybe the entire regular season. They haven't really played anyone up to this point. But, uh, yeah, for me, that was the biggest takeaway. It was a huge win um, for Baltimore and sort of a demoralizing loss uh, for Seattle. You think Lamar Jackson has a higher ceiling than Pat Mahomes? No. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is clearly, you know, one of the most amazing quarterbacks uh, slash players that we've seen in a while. I just think that where Lamar Jackson started and where he already is after one year, no one saw this coming. I mean, there were a lot of uh, sort of comparisons to to Michael Vick and and can he do this, but can he throw the ball? And uh, we've seen he's been capable of throwing the ball. Patrick Mahomes was special from the first time he stepped on the field in week 17 of his rookie season, I believe. And we know what happened last year. And the only thing that can slow him down is is a bum ankle and dislocated knee. But um, when he comes back or when he's back to 100%, he's still, you know, quarterback number one. But I think Lamar Jackson, in terms of excitement level, is right up there with um, with Patrick Mahomes. And look, I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar Jackson is able to get the Ravens back to the Super Bowl before Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl. If that's the measuring stick, then I guess Lamar Jackson would be considered a better player in that light. We're talking to Ryan Wilson. He covers the NFL for CBSSports.com. Who do you think the second-best team is in the AFC, assuming you have the Patriots as number one? That's a good question. Coming into this game, or coming into Sunday, uh, the Colts-Texans was a huge matchup. The Colts pulled that out. They're not sexy, the Colts, but they play extremely well. Chris Ballard, the GM, has done a fantastic job of stocking that roster with young, talented players, um, all for relatively cheap. Uh, they have so much room under the salary cap. Jacoby Brissett, who a lot of people thought would be the biggest question mark uh, coming into the season after Andrew Luck retired, no one inside the building thought that. They gave him that two-year extension, and he has not been the problem. So. I'll hesitantly go with the Colts just because they, they don't blow you away with the way they play, but they're so consistently good. Uh, and I'll put the Texans number two 
or excuse me, second behind the Colts, number three overall behind the Patriots, and then the Ravens. And I'm not ex- uh, including the, the Chiefs right now, just because we're without Patrick Mahomes. Once he comes back, we'll reevaluate. We'll see what happens over this three-week span, assuming he comes back after that. But right now, I, I would go uh, Patriots, uh, Colts, Texans, and then Ravens. So then same type of question for the NFC, but I think the question there is who the best team is. That That's a good, I mean, so I'll start with the 49ers. They just won today in a sloppy game in Washington, and, and I don't even know if that really counts. You shut out the Redskins on a, a sloppy field. It still counts as a win, but the Redskins are, are a truly terrible football team. The Saints go into Chicago and blow the doors off the, the Bears with Teddy Bridgewater, who's now 5-0 and as a starter. You can't overlook that. Then you go to Green Bay and see what Aunt, uh, Aaron Rodgers did through five touchdowns ran for another, perfect quarterback rating, over five, 400 yards. Um, so you have to certainly consider that, and I don't know what's going on in the NFC East. We'll have to see how that sorts itself out, but those teams have all come together. They're all clumped together there, at least the Eagles and the Cowboys. So I'll go Green Bay, San Francisco, and the Saints, and you know we haven't even talked about the Panthers who are off this week, but who are a very good football team without Cam Newton. We're talking to Ryan Wilson. He covers the National Football League for CBSSports.com. Uh, each week, it seems like on this show, there's a new low for the Atlanta Falcons. And I keep talking to, you know, callers from Atlanta wondering when Dan Quinn is going to get fired. And I don't have a good answer for them. Do you think that there's any shot he survives this thing? No, no, there is not. <laughs> so it's just a win. matter of time, right? He'll have to win out. So, uh, they host the Rams or excuse me, they, they play the Seahawks next. They just got beat by the Rams. They host the Seahawks, and uh, that game could certainly go south, and I would expect it will because there's no reason to think otherwise. The defense has been a huge problem. Now Matt Ryan's hobbling with, uh, I think it's an ankle injury. He was in a boot after the game. Uh, Apparently the Falcons think he'll be okay, but we'll see. And uh, after the Seahawks game next week, they have their bye week. So let's assume they lose to the Seahawks, which seems eminently reasonable given that they're 1-6. It would be I'd be hard pressed to imagine Dan Quinn survives that because don't forget he fired all the coordinators last year in order to take more control and call the defensive plays that clearly hasn't worked out. The defense is healthier than it was a year ago, and they had they were decimated by injuries a year ago. But it's just it's just not working. So um, it would certainly make sense that you would make a change. This team is too good to be one and six. You're wasting Matt Ryan in uh, towards the tail end of his prime, and um, if you're not changing the, co- the coaching situation, you're saying we're fine losing football games. Um, and we're only halfway through this thing. So I think a lot has to go right, starting with the win over the Seahawks. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Speaking of Matt Ryan, a quarterback you know, of his era, uh, Matt Stafford, broke his record as the fastest guy to 40,000 yards uh, today. Uh, Matt Stafford did it in 147 games. Matt Ryan did it in 151. Obviously, there's an you know, adjustment for era conversation here, right? These are the the product of the passing era of the National Football League. But when when I say Matt Stafford, fastest quarterback ever to 40,000 yards, your takeaway from that achievement is what? He's thrown a lot of passes, and he's been on some bad football teams, but he's also been on a couple of football teams that went to the – trying to trying to do the math in my head. A couple of football teams went to the playoffs, a couple of winning football teams, but he was there, you know, the reason he was drafted first overall was because they didn't win a game. Uh, the year before, um, 9-7 in back-to-back years with Caldwell, and then he was fired, and, and last year wasn't a good year in Matt Patricia's first year. But this year has been much better, and I give Matt Patricia a lot of credit after dogging him for much of last year. The offense is running much more smoothly. And um, Matthew Stafford is secretly a top-seven, top-eight quarterback this season. 
Uh, he was 30 of 45 for 364, four touchdowns uh, in that loss to the Vikings. That loss wasn't on him, certainly. And I think he's a huge part of what they're trying to do. The, obviously, they got hosed in that Packers game last week. They somehow lost the season opener. Um, or they tied the season opener, excuse me, to the Cardinals in the game they should have won. So their season could be completely different right now. Uh, and I feel like Matthew Stafford has been a big part of that. So it doesn't surprise me so much. I just think a lot of people uh, sort of overlook Stafford because he's been on historically bad teams in a, in a, in a region where people don't really pay, pay close, close attention to football if you're not living in Detroit. We're talking to Ryan Wilson. He covers the NFL for CBSSports.com at Ryan Wilson CBS. All right, so I do afternoons uh, during the week here in Chicago, and it feels like the honeymoon for Matt Nagy is over, and Mitch Trubisky has you know weeks, not years, left as the Bears' starting quarterback. Even if that feels like a little bit like an overreaction in the midst of this thing, how would you assess the situation with the Bears here in Chicago? Dire. Uh, I actually tweeted this out towards the end of the game. I, I said the uh, the Bears should trade for Andy Dalton. This sounds like a joke, but that's that's where we are in this Mitchell Trubisky experiment. I got zero pushback from Bears fans. In fact, many of them applauded the idea of trading for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, by the way, he's having a truly horrific season in the winless uh, winless campaign for the Bengals. But that's where we're at. I, I feel, and I said four or five weeks ago. Uh, three or four weeks ago, even before Mr. Trubisky got hurt, that why not roll with Chase Daniels, see what he can do. He knows Matt Nagy's system. He came over from Kansas City with him. One game was fine. The last game in London clearly did not go well. But Trubisky is going to be the albatross around Ryan Pace's neck because all we're going to hear about for the rest of Ryan Pace's career, unless he starts reeling off Super Bowls, is that he traded for Trubisky, passed on Mahomes, passed on Watson. And that is a huge whiff in terms of being a personnel uh, personnel guy because the disparity between those three players, it's not even close. And this isn't all on Ryan Pace. There are other teams that like Trubisky. I don't know if they liked him that much. But it's clear that he is not a starting caliber quarterback. This is year three. He has not made any progress. In fact, you could argue that he's regressed. I know he had the shoulder issue today, but let's be real. This team with an average quarterback with Andy Dalton is not uh, in the situation. They're not 3-3. Three and three. They probably have one or two wins, and they're looking – you have reason to be encouraged based on, on, on what the offense has done. And, you're, again, we talk about Matt Ryan being wasted in Atlanta. This defense is being wasted in Chicago. It's not, I don't think it's Matt Nagy's fault. I think if he had the guy he wanted in there, his play calling would be a little more effective. But there's only so much you can do. Bill Belichick couldn't magically fix what they have in Chicago offensively because it starts with a quarterback who just isn't playing very well. Okay, so you say Andy Dalton, and that, that's horrifying because yeah. I, think he, I think he's awful. But is there – so Phillip Rivers – is there a scenario? I mean, I know he's got a thousand kids and, and loves San Diego, but is is there a scenario where he's not a Charger next year? Alex Smith, you know, if he ever walks and can play football again, like I do feel like next season it's reasonable to say that the Bears will try to get a veteran upgrade and Trubisky is not like birthrighted in as their week one quarterback. I think it tells you where we're at that we're talking about eighty seven year old Philip Rivers. And uh, Alex Smith, who we don't know if he's ever going to play again as possible options in 2020. But, I mean, those are fair concerns. I mean, other names that are slightly younger and, and uh, slightly more healthy, Marcus Mariota is going to be out there almost certainly. He stinks. Um, yeah, and then there's Jameis Winston, who is in the same boat as Marcus Mariota that's going over the cliff. But, again, those are possible upgrades over Mr. Bisky and certainly can get, I would imagine, relatively cheap. Um, Josh Rosen is an option because it's clear that he's not he's not 
Here's the thing. If you put Josh Rosen with a defense and some semblance of an offense, he would. I think he would have some success. He has been uh, incapable of doing that in Arizona, and now Miami has been benched uh, in Miami, and I can only assume he was a terrible person in his previous life, but I feel like in the right position, he could have some success. So uh, are there a lot of options out there? Nick Foles could be a possibility if they love Gardner Minshew and want to move on from him. But again, nothing really screams out at you as, oh, this is going to solve our, our problems. And I think this is going to require either a lot of money in terms of trading for a guy who, who's in a backup situation that's really good, or going back to the draft, and that can be problematic given what we saw the last time Ryan Pace wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round. And they don't have a first-round pick, uh, so that won't help either. Um, people seem to be very split on this. Arizona Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. You buy in stock or, stock or sell in stock? I like what they're doing. Cliff Kingsbury was extremely conservative uh, the first three or four games of the season, and that had a lot to do with their losing. Um, and Kyler Murray was just sort of getting his feet wet. He's played better, uh, primarily better, each and every week. And, and I think King, Clint, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's sort of opened things up and felt more comfortable. Um, the defense played really well against the Giants. I don't know if that's <laughs> – excuse me, I don't know if you can take much away from that because it's the Giants, but – uh, I'm willing to give them time to see if it works. You sort of need the right players to run the air raid system, and they had a pretty good draft on paper coming into to this season. A couple of guys are hurt, but, um, yeah, I, I I was interested to see what Kyler could do. He hasn't disappointed, and in some ways he's sort of exceeded expectations. I wasn't necessarily sold on Cliff Kingsbury coming in here. He, he got fired from Texas Tech for not being a very good coach, so I didn't think he was magically going to fix things overnight in Arizona, and I sort of joked that if he looked like Rob Ryan, he would never get a job. Uh, based on his track record, but here we are, and, and I think he's doing okay, and I think he has a chance to get better. Read this man's work at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Wilson CBS. Ryan, appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Danny. Thank you to Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports. Coming up next, all right, here we go. We're going to be on the air in Chicago. The Bears deserve all of what's coming to them and more. We'll get into it on the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.